Hello, hello! Thanks for joining us on the Silly Aunt Sissy Show. Today we got a great books. We're going to continue reading The Wizard of Oz, and we're reading some poems from Where the Sidewalk Ends. And uh, we got a song. Hello, hello from everybody's favorite auntie. Thanks for joining us in the world of love. We are your friend. Thanks for joining us. Good day. Whatever you do, have a smile on your face and bring a tear of joy to someone's life. Yay! Thank you for joining us. Let's get to it. Shall we read a poem from Shel Silverstein? Hector the Collector. Collected, Hector the Collector collected bits of string, collected dolls with broken heads, and rusty bells that would not ring, pieces out of pu- picture puzzles, bent up nails and ice cream stacks, sticks, twists of wires, worn out tires, paper bags and broken bricks, old chip bases, half shoelaces, doubting guns that wouldn't shoot, leaky boots, that wouldn't float and stopped up horns that wouldn't too. Mm-mm. Better knives that had no handles, copper no- knives, keys that fit no locks, rings that were too small for fingers, dried up leaves and patched up socks, worn out bells that had no buckles, electric trains that had no tracks, uh-uh, airplane models, broken bottles, three-legged chairs and cups with cracks, Oh. Hector the Collector loved these things with all his soul. Loved them more than shining diamonds. Loved them more than glistering gold. Aww. Hector called to all the people, Come and share my treasure trunk. And all the silly, sightless people came and looked and called it junk. Aww. Poor Hector. Everyone's... Stuff is everyone's... Well, everyone has their own treasures, don't you know, Hector? It's okay. Invention. I've done it! I've done it! Guess what I've done? Invented a light that plugs into the sun. The sun is bright enough, the bulb is strong enough, but, oh, there's only one thing. The cord ain't long enough. One more. The googies are coming! The googies are coming, the old people say, to buy little children and take them away. Fifty cents for fat ones, twenty cents for lean ones, fifty cents for dirty ones, and thirty cents for clean ones. <laughs> a nickel each for mean ones. The Googles are coming in maybe tonight to buy little children and lock them up tight. Eight cents for husky ones, quarter for weak ones, penny for noisy ones, and a dollar for the meek ones. Forty cents for happy ones, eleven cents for sad ones. And kitties, when they come to buy, it won't do any good to cry. But just between yourself and I, they never buy the bad ones. Well, well, what do you know? That's so crazy. Okay, so don't be bad. Be good. But the Googles won't come, I promise you. For sale. One sister for sale. One sister for sale. One crying and spying young sister for sale. I'm really not kidding, so who'll start the bidding? Do I hear a dollar, a nickel, a penny? Or isn't there, isn't there any other... One kid who will buy this sister for sale, this crying and spying young sister for sale. And there you go. We'll read Sleeping Sardines tomorrow and make you giggle. All right, well, let's get to it. Where were we? I think they were going to the south. The wizard just left. 
The wizard left and he left Dorothy behind. So what? how will Dorothy get to Kansas now? Dorothy wept bitterly at the passing of her hope to get home to Kansas again. But when she thought it all over, she was glad she had not gone up in a balloon. And she felt awful sorry at losing Oz, and so did her companions. The tin woodsman came to her and said, Truly, I should be ungrateful if I failed to mourn for the man who gave me my lovely heart. Gatsby agreed with the lion. He would be so sad if he didn't. And the tin woodsman, too. He had to. They had to grieve. So with pleasure, she answered, and brought a towel at once. Everyone is crying. And then the tin woodsman wept for ten woodsmen wept for several minutes. And she watched the tears carefully and wiped them away with a towel. When he had finished, he thanked her kindly and oiled himself thoroughly with his jeweled oil can to guard against mishap. The scarecrow was now the ruler of the Emerald City, and although he was not a wizard, the people were proud of him, for they said, This is not another city in all the world that is ruled by a stuffed man, and so far as they knew, they were quite right. That morning after the balloon had gone up with Oz, the four travelers met in the throne room and talked matters over. The scarecrow sat in a big throne, and the others stood spectacularly before him. We are not so unlucky, said the new ruler, for this palace and the Emerald City belongs to us, and we can do just as we please. When I, I remember that short time ago I was up on a pole in a farmer's cornfield, and that I am now the ruler of this beautiful city, I am quite satisfied with my lot. I also sent the tid huntsman, and well pleased with my new heart, and really, that was the only thing I wished for in all the world. For my part, I am content knowing I am as brave as any beast that ever lived, if not braver. If Dorothy would only be contented to live in the Emerald City, we might all be happy. But I don't want to live here. I want to go to Kansas and live with Aunt Em and Uncle Henry. Well, then what can be done? said the woodsman. The woodman. The scarecrow decided to think, and he thought so hard that the pins and needles began to stick out his brains. Finally, he said, Well, why not call the winged monkeys and ask them to carry you to the, over the desert? Well, I never thought of that. It's just a thing. I'll just go it. I'll just go at once for the golden cap. When she brought it into the throne room, she, she spoke the magic words, and soon the band of winging, winged monkeys flew in the throne room. And stood before this is the second time you have called us said the monkeys what do you wish i want you to fly with me to kansas said dorothy but the monkey shook his head that cannot be done we belong to this country alone and cannot leave it there has never been a winged monkey in kansas yet and i suppose there never will be for they don't belong here there we shall be glad to serve you in any way in our power but we cannot cross the desert goodbye and with that, another bow, the monkey king spread his wings and flew through the window, followed by his band. Dorothy was almost ready to cry with disappointment. I have just wasted the charm of the golden monkeys to no purpose, for the winged monkeys cannot help me. It is certainly too bad, said the tender-hearted woodsman, woodman. The scarecrow was thinking again, and his head bulged out so horribly that Dorothy feared it would burst. Let us call in the soldier with the green whiskers. So the soldier was summoned and entered the throne room timidly, for Oz was alive. He, for when Oz was alive, he was never allowed to come further than the door. 
This little girl wishes to cross the desert. How can she do so? Well, I cannot tell, for nobody has ever crossed the desert unless it is Oz himself. Is there no one who can help me? asked Dorothy. Glinda might. Who's Glinda? Answered the, inquired the Scarecrow. Well, the Witch of the South. She is the most powerful of all the witches and rules over the quadlings. Besides, her castle stands on the edge of the desert, so she may know a way to cross it. Glinda is a good witch, isn't she? asked the child. The quadlings think she is quite good, and she's kind to everyone. I have heard that Glinda is a beautiful woman who knows how to keep ev keep young in spite of the many years she has lived. How can I get to her castle? The road is straight to the south, but it is a but it is said to be full of dangers and travelers. There are wild beasts in the woods and a, and a race of queer men who do not like strangers to cross their country. For this reason, none of the quadlings ever came to the Emerald City. The soldier then left them, and the scarecrow said, It seems, in spite of dangers, that the best thing Dorothy can do is to travel in the land of the south and ask Galinda to help her. For, of course, if Dorothy stays there, she'll never go back to Kansas. You must have been thinking again. R remarked the tin woodsman. I have, said the scarecrow. I shall go with Dorothy, declared the lion, for I am tired of your city and long for the woods and the country again. I am really a wild beast, you know. Besides, Dorothy will need someone to protect her. That is true, agreed the woodman. My ask me to be a service to her, so I will also go with you to the land of the south. When shall we start, said the scarecrow. Are you going, they asked in surprise. Well, yes, certainly. If it wasn't for Dorothy, she never had brains. She lifted me from the pole in the cornfield and brought me to the Emerald City. So my good luck is all due to her, and I shall never leave her until she starts back to Kansas for good. Well, thank you. You're all very kind to me, but I should like to get started as soon as possible. We shall go tomorrow morning, replied the Scarecrow, so now let us all get ready for it. It will be a long journey. Chapter 19, Attacked by the Fighting Trees The next morning, Dorothy kissed the, the pretty green girl goodbye, and they all shook hands with the soldiers with the green whiskers, who had walked with them as far as the gate. When the guardian of the gate saw them again, he wondered greatly that they could leave their beautiful city to get into new trouble. But he at once unlocked their spectacles, which he put back into the green box, and gave them many good wishes. You're now a ruler, he said to the scarecrow, so you must come back to us as soon as possible. I certainly shall if I am able, but I must help Dorothy get home first. As Dorothy bade for the good-natured guardian a last farewell, she said, I've been very kindly treated in your lovely city, and everyone has been good to me. I cannot tell you how grateful I am. Well, don't try, don't try, my dear. We should, uh, we should like to keep you with us, but if it is... Your wish to return to Kansas, I hope you'll find a way. He then opened the gate of the outer wall, and they walked forth and started upon their journey. The sun shone brightly as their friends turned their faces toward the lard of the south. They were all in the best of spirits and laughed and chatted together. Ha! Dorothy was once more filled with hope of getting home, and the scarecrow and the tin woodsman were glad to be of use to her. As for the lion, he sniffed the, the fresh air with delight and whisked his tail away. City life does not agree with me at all, parked the lion. I have lost much flesh since I lived here, and now I am anxious for a chance to show the other beasts how courageous I have grown. 
They now turned and took a last look at the Emerald City. All they could see was the massive towers and steeples behind the green walls, and high above everything the spires and dome of the Palace of Oz. Oz is not such a bad wizard after all, said the tin woodsman, as he felt his heart rattling around in his breast. He knew how to give me brains, and very good brains, too. If Oz had taken a dose of the same courage he gave me, he would, he would have been a very brave man. Dorothy said nothing. Oz had not kept his promise. He made her, but he had done his best, so he, she forgave him. As he said, he was a good man, even if he was a bad wizard. The first day's journey was through the green fields and bright flowers. They slept the night in the grass with nothing but the stars over them, and they rested very well indeed. It was in the morning they traveled on until they came to thick wood. There was no way of getting around it for it seemed to be extended to the right and left as far as they could see, and besides, they did not dare change the journey of their journey. The scarecrow who was in the lead finally discovered a big tree with wood-breeding branches, with such wide-spreading branches that there was room for, room for the party to pass underneath. So he walked forward to the tree, but just as he came under the, the first branches, they bent down and, twined around, and twined around him, and the next minute he was raised from the ground and flung headlong among his fellow travelers. This did not hurt the scarecrow, but it surprised him, and he looked rather dizzy when the Dorothy picked him up. Here is another space between the trees, called the lion. Let me try it first. He walked up to another tree as he spoke, but its branches immediately seized him and tossed him back again. This is strange. What shall we do? The trees seem to have made up their minds to fight us and stop our inquiry, remarked the lion. I believe I will try it myself, said the woodsman, and shouldering his axe, he marched up to the first tree that it handled the scarecrow so roughly. When a big branch bent down to seize him, the woodsman chopped it so fiercely that he cut it in two. At once the tree began shaking all of its branches as if in pain, and the tin woodsman passed safely under it. Come on! Be quick! he said. They all ran forward and passed the tree without injury, except Toto, who was caught by a small branch and shaken until he howled. But the woodsman promptly chomped off the branch and set the little dog free. The other trees of the forest did nothing to keep them back, so they made up their minds that the only first row of trees could bend down their branches, and that probably these were the policemen of the forest, and given those wonderfully power give and given this wonderful power in order to keep strangers out of it, the four travels walked with ease to the trees until they came to the other edge of the wood. Then, to their surprise, they found. Before them, a huge wall, which seemed to be made of white china. It was smooth like the surface of a dish and higher than their heads. What shall we do now? asked Dorothy. I will make a ladder, said the tin woodsman, for we certainly must climb over the wall. All right. Shall we read one more chapter? I think so. Let's read chapter 20. I think we shall. Yes, we will. Chapter 20.
The Dainty China Country Well, the tin woodsman was making a ladder from wood, which he had found in the forest. Dorothy lay down and slept, for she was tired by the long walk. The lion also curled himself up to sleep, and Toto lay, lay beside him. The scarecrow watched the woodman while he worked and said to him, I cannot think while this wall is here, not, not what it is made of. Rest your brains and do not worry about the wall, replied the woodsman. Woodman, When we have climbed over it, we shall know what is on the other side. After a time, the ladder was finished. It looked clumsy, but the tin woodsman was sure it was strong and would answer their purpose. The scarecrow woke Dorothy, and the lion and Toto told him that the ladder was ready. The scarecrow climbed up the ladder first, but he was so awkward that Dorothy had to follow close behind and kept him to keep him from falling off. When he got his head over the top of the wall, the scarecrow said, Oh my, go on, exclaimed Dorothy. So the scarecrow climbed further up and sat down on the top of the wall, and Dorothy put her head over and cried, Oh my, just as the scarecrow had done. Then Toto came up and immediately began to bark, ruff, 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 as if to say, Oh my, but Dorothy made him be still. The lion climbed the ladder next, and the tin woodsman came last, but both of them cried, Oh my, as soon as they looked over the wall. When they were all sitting in a row on the top of the wall, they looked down and, and saw a strange sight. Before them was a stretch of country, having a floor as smooth and shiny and white as the bottom of the big platter. Scared around, scattered around were many houses made entirely of china, and painted in the brightest colors. These houses were quite small, the biggest of them reaching only as high as Dorothy's waist. There was also pretty little barns with china fences around them, and many cows and sheep and horses and pigs and chickens, all made of china, which were standing about in groups. But the strangest of all were the people who lived in this queer country, there were milkmaids and shepherdesses with bright-colored bodices and golden sprouts all over their gowns, and princesses with most glorious frocks of silver and gold and purple, and shepherds dressed in knee breeches with pink and yellow and blue stripes down them, and gold brackles on their shoes, and princes with jeweled crowns upon their heads, wearing emeraldine robes and satin doublets, and funny clowns in ruffled gowns, with red spots upon their cheeks and tall painted caps. And strangest of all, these people were made up of china. Even to their clothes were so small that the tiniest of them was no taller than Dorothy's knee. No one did so much as look at the travelers at first, except one little purple china dog with one extra head which came to the wall and barked at them in a teeny voice, afterward running away again. Er, How shall we get down? asked Dorothy. They found the ladder so heavy they could not pull it up. So the scarecrow fell off the wall and the others climbed down upon him so that the hard floor would not hurt their feet. Of course they took pains not to light on his head and get the pins in their feet. When all were safe. When all were safely down, they picked up the scarecrow whose body was quite flattened out and patted his straw into shape again. Patted his straw his into shape again. 
We must come across the strange place in order to we must get across the strange place to get to the other side. For it would be unwise for us to go any other way except due south, said Dorothy. They began walking through the country of China people, and the first thing they came to was a China milkmaid milking a China cow. As they drew near the cow suddenly gave a kick and kicked over the stool, the pail, and even the milk made herself all falling on the china ground with a great clatter. Dorothy was shocked to see that the cow had broken her leg off and that the pail was lying in several small pieces while the poor milkmaid had nicks in her left elbow. There, cried the milkmaid angrily, see what you have done. My cow has broken her leg. I must take her to the mender's shop and have it glued on again. What do you mean by coming here and and frightening my cow. I'm very sorry, replied Dorothy. Please forgive us. But the pretty milkmaid was much too perplexed and vexed to make any answer. She picked up the leg sulkily and led her cow away. As she left them, the milkmaid cast many reproachful glances over her shoulder at the clumsy strangers, holding her nicked elbow close to her side. Dorothy was quite grieved at the mishap. We must be very careful here. A little further in, Dorothy met a most beautifully dressed young princess who stopped short as as she saw the strangers and started to run away. Dorothy wanted to see more of the princess, so she ran after, but the china girl cried out, Don't chase me! Don't chase me! She had such a frightened little voice that Dorothy stopped and said, Why not? Because... Answered the princess, also stopping a safe distance away. If I run down and fall and break myself, if I run, I may fall and break myself. But couldn't you be mended? Asked the girl. Oh, yes, but one is never so pretty after being mended, you know. I suppose not, said Dorothy. Now, there is Mr. Joker of our clowns. Continued the china lady, who is always trying to stand upon his head. Here he comes now, so you can see for yourself. He is mended in a hundred pieces and doesn't look at all pretty. Indeed, a little jolly clown now came walking toward them, and Dorothy could see that in spite of his, of his pretty clothes of red and yellow and green, he was completely covered with cracks, running every which way and showing plainly that he had been mended in many places. The clown put his hands in his pockets, and after pulling out his cheeks, and nodding his head at them, he said, My lady fair, what do you say? At poor old Mr. Joker, you're quite as stiff and prim as if you'd eaten up a poker. Be quiet, sir, said the princess. Can you see these are strangers and should be treated with respect? Don't mind Mr. Joker. He is considerably cracked in his head, and that makes him foolish. Oh, I don't mind him a bit, but you're so beautiful. That I am sure I could love you dearly. Won't you let me carry you back to Kansas and stand you on Aunt M's mantel shelf? That would make me very unhappy. You see, here in our own country, answered the China princess, we live contently and can talk and talk and move around as we please. But whenever any of us are taken away, our joints at once stiffen, and we can only stand straight and look pretty. Of course, that is all that is expected of us when we are mantel shelves 
on mantel shelves and cabinets and drawing room table, but our lives are much pleasant here in our own country. I will not make you unhappy for all the world, exclaimed Dorothy, so I'll just say goodbye. Goodbye, replied the princess. They walked carefully through the china forest. The little animals and all the people scampered out of their way, fearing the strangers would break them, and after an hour or so, the travelers reached the other side of the country and came to China Wall, another China Wall. It was not as high as the first, however, and by standing upon the lion's back, they all managed to scramble up top. Then the, the lion gathered his legs under him and jumped on the wall. But just as he jumped, he upset a china church with his tail and smashed it all to pieces. Oh, that was too bad, but really I think we're lucky in if not doing those little people more harm than breaking. A cow's leg and a church. They're also brittle. They are indeed, and I'm thankful I made of strong cannot be easily damaged. There are worse things in the world than being a scarecrow. Ah, chapter 21. Shall we? Well, let's do it. After climbing down from the china wall, the lion becomes the king of beasts. After climbing down from the china wall, the travelers found themselves in a disagreeable country, full of bogs and marshes and covered with tall, rank grass. It was difficult to walk far without falling into muddy holes, for the grass was so thick that it hid them from sight. However, by carefully pricking their way, they got safely along until they reached solid ground. But here, the country seemed wilder than ever, and after a long and tiresome walk through the underbrush, they waded another forest where the the trees were the the trees were bigger and older than they have ever been seen. The forest is perfectly delightful, declared the lion, looking around him with joy. Never I have seen more beautiful place. It seems gloomy, said the scarecrow. Not a bit of it, answered the lion. I should like to live here all my life. See how soft the dreaded leaves are under our feet, and how soft and rich and green the moss is that clings to the old trees. Surely no wild beast could be with a pleasanter home. Perhaps there are wild beasts in the the forest now, said Dorothy. I suppose there are, returned the lion, but I did not see any of them. About. They walked through the forest until it became too dark to go any further. Dorothy and Toto and the lion lay down to sleep, while the woodsman and the scarecrow kept watch of them as usual. When do morning came, they started again. Before they had gone far, they heard a low rumble as of the growling of many wild animals. Toto whimpered, arr, arr, in a little bit, but none of the others were frightened, and they kept along the well-trodden path until they came to an opening in the wood. There were ogres and elephants and bears and wolves and foxes, oh my, and all the others in the animal kingdom. And for a minute, Dorothy was afraid, but the lion explained that the animals were holding a meeting when they judged by their snarling and growling that they were in great trouble. As he spoke, several of the beasts caught sight of him, and at once the great assembled hushed as if by magic. The biggest of the tigers came up to the lion and bowed, saying, Welcome, O king of beasts. You have come in good time, helped because it's the best time to fight our enemy and bring peace to all, peace to all the animals of the forest once more. What is your trouble? asked the lion quietly. We are all threatened of... 
answered the tiger. It is a fierce enemy which has lately come into the forest. It is mostly tremendous monster, like a great spider with a leg as big as an elephant and legs as long as a trunk trunk, a tree trunk. If it had eight of those long legs, it has eight of those long legs and the monster crawls through the forest. He seizes an animal with legs and drags it to the mouth where he eats it as a spider does a fly. None of us is safe while this fierce creature is alive, and we had called a meeting to decide how to take care of ourselves when you came along. Well, the lion thought for a minute. Are there any other lions in the forest? No, there were some, but the monster has eaten them all, and besides, there were none of them nearly so large and brave as you. If I put an end to your enemy, will you bow down to me and obey me as king of the forest? We'll do that gladly, said the tiger, and all the other beasts roared with a mighty roar. Arr, we will. Well, that is great, the spider of yours. Well, that is the great spider of yours now, asked the lion. Well, where is this great spider of yours now, asked the lion. Yonder among the oak trees, said the ogre, toting his forehead. Take good care of those friends of mine, said the lion, and I will go at once to fight the monster. He made his comrades. He bade his comrades goodbye and marched marched away, to do battle with the enemy. The great spider was lying asleep when the lion found him, and it looked so ugly that its foe turned up his nose in disgust. Its legs are quite as long as a tiger had said, and its body covered with coarse black hair. It had a great mouth with a row of sheep, sharp teeth. But its head was joined to the pudgy body by a neck of slender, by a neck as slender as a wasp waist. This gave the lion a hint of the best way to attack the animal, and as he knew it, it was easier to fight it upon the, it asleep than awake. He gave a great spring and landed directly upon the monster's back. Then, with one blow of his heavy paw, all armed with sharp claws. He knocked the soldier's head from its body. Jumping down, he watched it until the legs stopped wiggling, and then he saw it was quite dead. Oh, But still, sometimes you have to. The lion went back to the opening where the beasts of the forest were waiting for them and said proudly, You need not fear your enemy no longer. Then the beast bowed down to the lion as their king and promised to and he promised to come back and roll over them as soon as Dorothy was safely on her way to Kansas. All right, well, that is that. Tomorrow we shall read Chapter 22, The County of the Quadlings. The Country of the Quadlings. Well, we're getting to the almost end of the story. Are you excited to find out how Dorothy gets home? I am. Thanks for listening. Goodbye, goodbye for now. Have a great day. See you real soon. Bye-bye.